Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, hello and welcome to another episode of the Bagodcast. This time we're on episode 9, meaning that we are talking about the loud, wet fart that is WrestleMania 9. Uh, joining me as always is co-host and fellow sufferer of WrestleMania 9, Mr. Lewis Clark. Lewis, how are you doing, sir? Um, well, you know, it could be better after watching this <laughs> thing, but um, I'm, I'm personally doing okay. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> good, good. And I'm also pleased to announce that uh, after the success of him on the last episode, uh, joining us full-time as the third member of the Bad Godcast, we're joined again by Mr. Ian Livingston. Ian, welcome to the team full-time, and how are you doing? Thanks very much uh, for letting me join your Cooley Club. And so, <laughs> if this is my welcoming party, then how does one unjoin from said club? Uh, <laughs> no refunds, I'm afraid, sorry. Um, yeah, if we've got to suffer this, so do you. And so does anyone else who's listening. Um, <laughs> right, so let's get this underway, guys, because I think, you know, much like uh, the loud, wet fart, I think we're all quite keen to get away from the stink of it as soon as possible. Mm. Um So this is WrestleMania 9, brought to you from Caesars Palace at Las Vegas. Um, and unusually for a WrestleMania, this one had a theme. Uh, this one being what appeared to be uh, some kind of Roman Colosseum, yeah. um, but which actually looked much more like a frat boy's toga party. <laughs> um, and joining us firstly, actually, making his WWE uh, commentary debut is Jim Ross. Um, yeah. Looking uh, surprisingly happy to be there, guys. I thought. Well, yes. I, I mean, he's definitely one of the highlights of this. Um, it's it's obviously bizarre seeing Jim like pre Bell's palsy because um, he's just a bundle of energy, isn't he? Like the whole time, he's really sort of on his toes, fast paced, speaking yeah. to him. He's just like voice wise as well. He's higher pitched. It's it's like a different person, to be honest with you. But as as it goes on, you do get like that what you know Jim for and it's that the enthusiasm and he really sort of like helps alleviate a lot of the problems with this in that like there's at least someone on mic giving it their absolute all and while it doesn't save it at any given point it's at least nice to have his voice in your ears and just reminding you that like there's a reason why he's often regarded as the greatest wrestling commentator of all time and it's 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 early it's apparent even early on like he's he's just like I say bundle of enthusiasm I think he's really listen, interesting to listen to in this, but at the same time kind of weird to listen to because he's so different. <laughs> yeah, uh, Ian uh, has his co-commentators for this. Uh, Bobby Heenan, uh, unfortunately for us, Bobby Heenan who wasn't too far from leaving the company and therefore was probably um, at this point phoning it in slightly. Yeah, and um. For me, the worst colour commentator I've ever heard, uh, <laughs> Randy Macho Man Savage. Um, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, it's, uh, we'll, t we'll talk about it as we go on through the matches, but I'll just 
thank God for JR because otherwise this might genuinely have been the worst thing I'd ever seen committed to film. Oh, it's so uh, it's so tedious, isn't it? Like, yeah, and Macho Man has got like just the most limited amount of calls. He's always talking about getting the thing done, and it's just like you you must hear that about fifty times throughout the night, and it's like. He's so irritating to listen to. Oh, yes, indeed. Um, and so we go from JR up to. Uh, unf- I can't believe I'm saying this. <laughs> Finkus Maximus, <laughs> uh, otherwise known as Howard Finkel, uh, who introduces us to the other members of the team. Uh, Macho Man comes out, uh, brought out on a some kind of pedestal, yep. um, with what they called the Vestal Virgins. Um, really unfortunate and then of course Bobby Heenan comes out backwards on a camel Um, (laughs) the the weirdest part about that isn't him coming out backwards on the camel it's Macho Man lifting up his toga and giving the thumbs up while he's showing his pants off yeah bizarre uh, to everybody there yeah I saw a whole Uh, lot of uh, Bobby Heenan on that camel right now yes far more than we needed to yeah too much um, I've got to say, so, like, yeah. out, out of the bat, right, like, the theming of this, as stupid and, like, gimmicky as it is, is kind of fun. And I think it's one of the highlights, really, for this. Like, just the theming in general is just so silly that you can't help but laugh of it. Like, um, Jim at the start saying, like, look at these, i got gold shoes. And it's like, Jim, you're wearing <laughs> sandals, mate. They're not shoes. Um, <laughs> and like, you like just the stupid thing of like Finkus Maximus being, you know, Howard Finkel being like nicknamed and stuff. It is just fun, and that is very one of the very few like saving graces of this is that the entire time the theming is kind of fun. So that's all I'll say for it. Yeah, I mean, in Las Vegas, it's perhaps unsurprisingly that, it, that it's pretty tacky, but I think you're right. I think the fact that people seem to at least be having fun at this thing is is probably what, what saves it. Yeah. Um, it's because they're in so we'll Palace, from... and you don't have to pay for booze. Everybody <laughs> is drunk off their ass. It's a really pokey little venue as well for a WrestleMania, isn't it? 16,000. Yeah. Oh. Yes, yeah, 16,000, which was... um. I think that probably not might not be the smallest attended WrestleMania. We've still got some uh, more indoor ones from kind of ten through to. I guess we're maybe talking about sixteen before it picks up again, isn't it? Because even like fifteen, which is generally regarded as like the zenith of the Attitude Era, was was in an arena that yeah, held yeah. like eighteen, nineteen thousand people. So. It's still going to be more than this. Like you can tell on camera, this <laughs> looks pokey. Um, so yeah, yeah 16,000 16, almost seems it's, like an it's definitely the smallest crowd we've had so far I think like absolutely this, yeah. uh, so let's head straight into the event then uh, first up a match that I, I, I must admit I actually had high hopes for hadn't seen this match in a while mm. uh, the intercontinental title match between the Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels uh, accompanied to the ring by Luna Vashon uh, versus Tatanka brought, uh, accompanied to the ring unofficially by uh, Sensational Sherry um. Yeah, I, we've already talked about how bad a, a commentator Savage yeah. uh, is, and unfortunately, this match gives us eighteen and a half minutes yeah. of Savage being very bad. He's very um, distracting the entire time, isn't he? Yeah. So, uh, this match was a, a real letdown for me, and actually, in a lot of ways, set the tone for for the rest of the show. I think it was this match. I checked. This match went about eighteen and a half minutes. 
could have been at least eight minutes shorter. Yeah. Um, way too many rest holds. Really odd flow to the match. It never felt like it really got going. There were spells where it almost got there. A mm. um, couple of nice sequences, but I just... For me, probably the poorest opening match uh, of the nine WrestleManias that we've covered so far. Hmm. Uh, Ian, how do you feel about... I mean, yeah, I, I think most of what you said there was right. It is too long, and it suffers from having weird pacing. Um, and Tatanka doing a lot of heel um, body work isolation, because Michaels yeah. is injured. Mm. Which is the wrong way around because he's supposed to be facing, and that really slowed down. The, the match starts off really nicely, but then uh, I think it's when Michaels, because he had a, a a bad shoulder going into the match or something, is the storyline. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he hits him with a clothesline and uh, tweaks his, his shoulder, and then Tatanka spends about a good five six minutes after that slowly methodically working his shoulder, but they just yeah. got mm-hmm. the pace of the match right up into a cool spot, and then the reversal happens, and then Michaels does a little bit of slow body work for another five minutes and then the match ends mm. quite nicely and I think you're right could have taken out the entire sequence of Michael's getting his shoulder worked which easily is like six seven minutes long mm. um, didn't need to be in there and then the match would have been really good uh, yeah yeah it's um there's a few there's a few notes I've taken about this match there is a couple of nice sequences I think you're right there was the one that I felt was really going to build up the momentum where Tatanka caught uh, Michael's coming off the top rope with an arm drag, which looked pretty good. And then there was a uh, leading out of that, there was a big uh, kind of turnbuckle bump from Michael's, as he's wont to do from time to time. Uh, and then a big chop from Tatanka. And again, it just felt like the momentum was starting to build there. And then it was straight back into the the rest holds again. Unfortunately, um, there was one point I was I was want to check with you guys because to me it makes me wonder if they actually botched it the first time round. But they did the thing where Michaels went for the victory roll from the corner off of Tatanka's shoulders and he didn't quite get it right. Yeah. And so they eventually went and did it again and this time it ended up with Tatanka kind of delivering an electric chair drop. Yeah. Um, I, I don't oh, know. That, that just that Even that in itself seemed weird yeah. to me. That seemed like... You barely get away with the victory roll the first time. Why would you then go and do the second, do it again, like, 45 seconds later? To me, just felt like they'd botched it and they wanted to try and get it right. I'm pretty sure it was a botch. I've I've written down that, like, it's it's like there's a thumb-to-the-eye moment and then mm-hmm. Sean turns the momentum in his favour and he botches the sunset flip and it looks really sore. Um, this is uh, that was my main takeaway from this match is that like they're working kind of athletic like there's it's they work better than a lot of the fucking matches on this card I tell you that very much but um, <laughs> it's really sloppy there's some some proper nasty spots like um, the, um, so uh, sh- uh, Michael's like uh, shoulder slams like uh, Tatanka into the corner and that end into the post and that was a really nasty spot because you uh, again because of the small arena you can hear everything really well so like Tatanka's chops sound really fucking vicious in this match um, yeah. mm-hmm. there's a shoulder breaker from Tatanka that looks super fucking dangerous as well because it's like one slip and that could have been rolled right on the man's head um, yeah. but like there's the, the the moment for me that I really liked was um, Tatanka catches um, Michaels and then like turns it into a power slam and it's a lovely yeah. fluid motion and it really really is nice but like it's it's the big highlight in an otherwise kind of forgettable match, unfortunately. It's just, yeah, a little bit sloppy. 
Yeah. Um, the other thing that there's a couple of just another couple of quick things. One, there's there's far too much what is she lines about Luna. Yeah. Um, it hasn't aged well at really, all, has it? No, yeah. it hasn't. It's 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 not surprising for early nineties WWE. To be honest, it wouldn't be hugely surprising for twenty nineteen WWE to yeah. an extent. But she was um, extremely scary. I mean, I don't know if you noticed, but she had something drawn on her face. <laughs> we did, yes. I was terrified. I didn't really yeah, understand. Sherry wasn't. She was taking no shit. No, Luna, she Luna, wasn't. Luna was afraid of Sherry in an almost like dog that got hit kind of way. She yeah. was creeping around the side of the ring like that. It was a bit strange. Yeah. Uh, They're obviously then, trying perhaps... to figure out Luna's character at this stage, you know, because yeah. I think mm-hmm. this is her debut on the podcast and Obviously, Luna goes on to be, like, one of the best fucking female hills there ever is. But, like, at this time, it's like, what do we do sort of thing? Because they're just here. They're, they're both Luna and Sherry are only there as, like, um, you know, escorts, essentially. So it's like, they haven't quite sussed out what they want to do with them, I don't think. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They do get to do 15 uh, seconds of wrestling at the end. Yeah, there's a little Which bit I think of is, a the, is that the only messy spot on the whole card? That was the women's match. <laughs> yeah, that, that it, it, yeah. <laughs> you make a valid point there. WrestleMania was that was bit a, at the end of that Michaels match. <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a slam match. It was it was basically them reenacting, you know, Andre versus Big John Stud for like WrestleMania <laughs> two or something. I like theirs better. <laughs> yeah, Luna throws a good slam. Yeah, she does. I mean, to be fair, that was actually not a bad spot. You know, that's one that could go horribly wrong. We've seen it go horribly. We've seen it go horribly wrong very recently, actually, with the whole Sha Samuels incident with the referee at, um, was it Rev Pro? Mm. Um, things where, tend to you go know, wrong if you shoot beat the shit out of the ref. I don't know. <laughs> yes, that does tend to happen. Quite um, likely, I'll so, believe that one. So they made it look decent. You've also had other examples where, you know, they go to slam somebody and you can see they're being super careful. With how they drop them on the mat, so yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, fair play to them. It was actually, it was actually one of the better spots of the match, um, or after the match that should be. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, we're kind of entering the final sequence of the match here, and Heenan perhaps really inadvertently kind of sums up things perfectly, where um, they're talking about this match should be over, and Heenan said, "Yeah, this match should have been over thirty moves ago." <laughs> and I know yeah, the point he was trying to make. The match. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but actually, it's just perfectly summing up the match as a whole. The match which ends um, via DQ, yeah, uh, if I recall, right? It's, it's, it's a count a out. unclear. Is it a yeah. count out? Right, okay. Yeah, because uh, essentially what happens is Shawn Michaels gets counted out outside the ring. Is that, I think, Michaels loses? God, see, look, I've already forgotten 90% yeah. of what happened in this fucking paper. <laughs> it um, is Michaels that loses because he pulls the ref right. out of the ring. That's right, uh, yeah, and then Tatanka brings him back inside, hits his big finisher, the Samoan drop, covers him for what you assume is going to be the 1, 2, 3 in the title change, and in fact, the referee very politely taps him on the shoulder and then <laughs> calls yeah. for the bell. <laughs> yeah. Um, just a very um, odd moment all round. But yeah, so Michaels retains his belt, and um, that's when we get the, the Luna and Sherry spot, and... Again, just a very slow, weird opening to to what's supposed to be their biggest show of the year. Yeah. Um, 
Why was Sherry unofficially accompanying Tatanka to the ring? So, I so, don't think she... They never actually set it up in terms of her right. coming out as his valet. She kind of followed out behind him. Aye, the story she waited until the match had started before she came and started out. She's just like, is it alright if I stand here? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's so basically... Uh, basically, for those who don't know, what had happened in the weeks leading up to, to WrestleMania was that um, Michaels had pulled Sherry in the way of a mirror shot that he was taking from, I think it might have been Marty Jannetty, actually. Um, and Sherry, at that point, realised that, you know, Michaels didn't give a fuck about her, and so left him. He got Luna, and she just randomly walked out. But that was the weird thing during this match as well, is that Sherry kept keeping Luna away from Shawn Michaels, but it was never entirely clear if that was because she didn't want him to help him, or because she wanted to kind of yeah. look at it. I don't think he did a very good either. job of No, it was, of it was very out. messy. Yeah. But anyway, that was the, the first match of the night, uh, unfortunately setting a, a fairly accurate summation for the rest of the show. Yeah. Um... I have taken no notes whatsoever about in-between match promos or anything because they were all awful and, to be honest, fuck Todd Pettengill. <laughs> yeah, God, Todd um, Pettengill is horrific. We get, we <laughs> see the basically... guy in the Bret Hart shades that I didn't like. <laughs> oh, no, the, the worst thing was that they were trying to do this whole Roman Coliseum thing, as I said, and yet Todd Pettengill, perhaps unsurprisingly, is the one who looked most like the frat boy because he had the... Uh, it had the the head uh, or decoration on whatever you call it. I don't know the name. Yep. Please don't be offended. <laughs> uh, but it was wearing a backwards cap yep. with it as well. And it's just like, I'm just waiting on him going, Toga, Toga, Toga. <laughs> i just trying to get like somebody in the front row to chug a beer. <laughs> um, but anyway... We'll skip all of that stuff because it's completely irrelevant. Yeah, and yeah. we'll go on to the next match of the night. And in actual fact, my pick for best match of the night, mm. um, another tag team... Uh, actually, another tag team match. It's the first tag team match of the it night. It is the first Apologies. tag team match. So again, this is WrestleMania. <laughs> so when you said another team tag team match, I thought you were talking about you picking your favourite match. It's another tag team match. Yes. Sorry, I went into Teddy Long mode for a moment. Just set up another tag team match against The Undertaker. Anyway. Right, so Steiners versus Head Shrinkers. Now, this was an odd match for me because the Steiners and the Head Shrinkers, who I believe were previously in WCW known as the. I think it was the Samoan Death Squad. Samoan right. SWAT team? Is it not? Samoan SWAT team, yes. Uh, was it? I knew it was something like that, and I knew it was much cooler <laughs> and much less offensive than the head shrinkers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and they had some really good matches back then, kind of proper brawls. Um, and so I, I kind of had memories that this match wasn't that good, but I haven't watched it. And I went back and watched it again today to make sure that I wasn't completely wrong. This was your fault, Ian. You had me second-guessing myself <laughs> as to whether this was a good match or not. Mm. Um, I actually really enjoyed this one. Now, this match was, I think, third longest match on the card. I think it went about 13 minutes. Um, but for me, this was a match just between four good, solid, dependable hands in the ring. Um, 
not a huge amount of rest holds. I didn't think they, they filled the time quite well. Um, match had some weird flow issues, you know, tag team matches we tend to think of of one way and considering this match was only 13 minutes I thought there was some odd, uh, kind of, there was an overuse of back and forth. I mean, it. it's a it's a problem over all the matches tonight, isn't it? Like the pacing is yeah, just fucking is, weird. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I, I'm with you on this. To be honest with you, I, I enjoyed this one as well. It's definitely one of my highlights from this pay per view, um, which isn't saying much to be honest with you because the overall quality <laughs> isn't great. But um, yeah, I really enjoyed this. I mean, um, for for me as well, like the big thing was um, I was unfamiliar with the head shrinkers and I had no idea that Fatu was Rikishi. Um, so I'm looking. Yeah. I was looking at him, just like I, I recognise that dude. Why do I recognise that dude? And then yeah, it, it clicked, and it's like, oh, of course, because even when Rikishi's gimmick was um, debuted, it was Rikishi Fatu. So it's like there is an obvious connection there. Um, but yeah, yeah, like it's it's cool seeing how far back his um, his shtick goes. Because like even in this match, he does that that crazy clothesline flip that he's so good at even when he gets bigger as Rikishi you know he's always doing yeah. that flip mm-hmm. and he's he's still doing it in, at this point in his career and it's still great um, yeah I really enjoyed that the other thing that really confused me as well was um, with the Steiners Rick looks so much like Scott now <laughs> that I couldn't quite <laughs> suss why they kept I, th- I thought they were confusing them but yeah, Scott yeah. does not look like Scott at this point in his career. He's just a completely different looking dude. I may have um, actually gotten my Steiners mixed up, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, so <laughs> so Rick in this is the big tash um, and shorter hair, and Scott is no facial hair and long hair in this. Right, yes, yes. Scott's so, the one that looks yeah. like Rick. Yeah. That's it. So yeah, and it's it's weird. Um, yeah, Rick's the dog face gremlin. Yeah, they, yeah. They call him often in this match, <laughs> which is... Which is an odd nickname, but kind of <laughs> quite enjoyed. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, there's some, there's some, for me, there's some really good stuff in this. Like I said, this is four guys who weren't afraid to, to kind of smack each other about a bit, which I think helped. You know, it was probably the stiffest match of the night, yeah, I yeah. would uh, suggest. Um, there's, a, a, as you said, the, the kind of clothesline spot that Rikishi Fatu in this case does yep. so well. Mm. Uh, helped by the fact that it looked like an absolutely massive clothesline from, from Scott Steiner. Yep, yep. Um, they then followed that up with a kind of double clothesline move from the top rope. Yep. Um, which was, was quite impressive to see the two of them stay balanced on what looked like very loose top ropes. Yeah, yeah, they looked, uh, the ropes looked loose the entire night. Yeah, they were. Yeah. Um, sorry, Ian. They were precarious looking ropes. Doink nearly, I know we'll get to Doink soon, but <laughs> nearly came a cropper on those ropes, ropes as well. Yeah. yeah, the other thing about those ropes is that actually led into one of the spots in this match, and I'm not entirely sure it was supposed to go quite the way it did, but there was a big stun gun spot where I think it was Samu uh, kind of picked up, uh, I think it was Scott actually, and kind of, they were supposed to do the, the move where he clotheslined them over the top, uh, clotheslined them on the top rope. Yep. And in actual fact, Scott went all the way over the top rope. It's to the floor. scary that spot. Oh my god! That's yeah, a, yeah. That's a big bump. I'm really not Sorry. entirely sure that was was how it was supposed to go. Yeah, but I yeah. mean, it worked. It worked great. Oh, absolutely. And that led, yeah, and that led into a kind of big, you know, solid heel sequence that I thought that again they did pretty well. Not a huge amount of rest holds. Just a lot of you know big dudes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, beating the shit exactly out of two other big dudes. Um, I know why you like. I think I know why you like this match so much, Andy. Okay, because it's the Usos versus the Revival. 
<laughs> you know, you know, it's, it's actually not far off. You know, <laughs> like, how much young Fatu moves like an ooze, man. Which makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you see the crescent kick and everything during this match. You know, you see a big splash off the top rope at one There's point. There's a lot of cross um, body and, yeah, frog splashing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He missed, Sammy missed the frog splash, which looked real sore, because it was all splash yes. and frog. Um, some of the other stuff that happens. So eventually Rick gets the hot tag. Uh, this used to be one of my favourite things, and I realised that this in itself was probably quite problematic. But they always had this thing about the Simones having the hardest heads in the world. Yeah. And so Rick, having got the hot tag, went for a double noggin knocker. And the two of them just looked at each other and then head-butted him. <laughs> which I thought was good. Um, and then, actually, they hit what I, I guess you would call a kind of double skull-crushing finale mm. at one point as well, which which looked pretty good. Um, but then they, they, we kind of headed towards the end of the match again. The, the spot of the match for me was uh, Rick power-slamming uh, Fatu while on Samu's shoulders, which could have gone horrendously wrong. Was that the slam on the outside of the ring? No, no, this was the one in the ring right, towards okay. end of the match where uh, Fatu had, uh, Samu had Rick up on his shoulders and it looked like they were going to go for some kind of big um, uh, high cross body or something yeah, off yeah, his yeah, shoulders, but yeah, in actual yeah, fact yeah. Rick caught him and, and power slammed him down to the mat, which was, was really good. Mm. Uh, that led to him getting Scott back into the ring who hit a belly-to-belly which looked quite sloppy. Yeah. It did look like he almost dropped him in his head but yeah. then he got the Frankensteiner. Which again uh, looked quite sloppy as well, I think. Oh, yes, oh, yeah. it also yeah. did. Yes. Yeah. Frankensteiner, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just bizarre seeing a guy that we know would get so jacked and so incapable of doing that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Doing that kind of stuff. It is interesting in that way. I think the 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 bit for me that I absolutely adored was um, after that top rope spot with Scott where he goes over the top, uh, yeah. there's a there's a moment outside where someone takes a kendo stick shot and it just fucking explodes. <laughs> like, it just <laughs> evaporates. <laughs> it looks yeah. stiff as fuck. I really enjoyed that. Um, yeah, that was... Again, that's what I mean when I'm, when I'm talking about the heel work in this match. It was actually... There was there was one rest hold, I think, maybe two yeah, maximum, yeah. and everything else was just them finding nefarious ways to hit a Steiner. Yeah, it was, it was really good. It's just a it's just um, a, a match tarred with a sloppy finish. I think otherwise, I I really enjoyed this myself. Yeah, Ian, thoughts on on the match as a whole? I agree. That's a nice thing to hear me say, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's a good match, and I ma- I maintain that it's very much like a revival Usos uh, match, in my opinion, because it's got all yeah. of the same spots. There's lots of people getting like ripped from off the mat just as they're about to try and hit a tag. Yep. Yeah. Uh, all that kind of stuff, and yeah, it was nice. There was lots of cool. You're right. I miss Steiners when they could like use the full range of their arms and legs. That's <laughs> much more entertaining yeah. wrestling. Um, uh, and it is definitely one of the better matches on the card. And yeah, I had I'd... forgotten all about uh, Rikishi when he was Fatu. I, I yeah, hadn't yeah. even remembered. I was like watching the Head Shrinkers um, and going, man. Because t- like, I was watching them, I was like, right, so these guys got to be from Anoa'i. Because yeah, like, yeah. he looks like, he looks yeah. like mm-hmm. a moose. So I was like... <laughs> and then looked him up and discovered it was Rikishi. And I had forgotten that his career had been that long. 
because he was way into his career before we got the two. Yeah, he was. Yeah, I yeah. mean, by by that point, he he'd been wrestling. Um, I mean, certainly the first time I saw the the Simone Squad team was was maybe 1987-1988 and at that point you think even they'd been wrestling a few years so yeah I mean by that point he was he was a veteran of the industry then yeah um so for him to go on and have the career he had in the kind of late 90s with the with a new gimmick is was pretty remarkable uh bonus points for anybody who realized that the referee in that match was uh, Bill Alfonso who of course would go on to Manage Rob Van Dam and Sabu and ECW. Oh, snap. Uh, Good spot. So, uh, on to the next match. And Ian, I believe this is the one that you want to kind of spend a wee bit more time talking about. Uh, yeah. uh, Evil, Cl- Evil Clown, Doink, uh, versus generic Hawaiian uh, Big Man Crush. Um, so, I'll let you take it from here. Mm. I mean, one of the best things about wrestling is that you can juxtapose really, really serious, heartfelt emotions with a man who is sponsored by Orange Soda getting beaten up <laughs> by a dude dressed as a clown. <laughs> and i got to tell you, see, in ring, Doink the Clown is a worker, mate. Boy's got a better work rate than Hogan. Well, <laughs> yeah, well, that's, you know that's, I mean? that's a definitely a, a fact, I've got yeah. a better work rate than Hogan, but... It's just it's just a nice match, and I like I was looking at Crush, going I don't remember this guy at all. Who who the fuck is Crush? What is Crush's gimmick? That was never really. He like he's blonde and he's from Hawaii. Yeah, was it? That was his gimmick. Um, But the actual in match is nice. Like it's got good technical. There's not a whole lot of um, botching or anything like that. Like this whole card is a botch fest. There's botches everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And there's very few matches on the entire card that actually go off mostly without a hitch. And I think the two ones that do it the most, ironically, are this one and the, the final match and it's <laughs> finish. Um, yeah. And it's just like this has just got everything. Like the question I have about this match, and and you can tell yeah. me if you can come up with an idea as to why this is booked, right? There is a dual uh doink. There was a, a Doinkleganger, right? Yes. <laughs> um, who came in while the ref was out and took out Crush so that Doink could get yeah. the victory. Why was he dressed as Doink? <laughs> I mean, I, I think the only answer I have for you is so they could have the reasonably cool visual of it looking like he was looking at himself in the mirror. So just so they could do that mirror spot in the middle. Because yeah. the ref was unconscious. So when he came out, I expected there was going to be a fresh man switch. I thought they were doing twin magic, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. But the ref no. was unconscious, <laughs> and a guy who came out dressed like Doink knocked Crush out, and then Doink won. Why did that guy... <laughs> <laughs> Why isn't that guy dressed like a clown to come and perform a maneuver when the ref wasn't going to see it? I mean, see, I think your mistake here, Ian, is you're looking to make sense of wrestling in 1993. Oh, I just love that. That spot was great, though. The, the little mirrors yes, in the middle. Like, yes. oh, it's the Marx Brothers bit, isn't it? Like, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know how I felt about this match, to be honest with you. I felt like. It basically felt like a squash match in a weird way, and that crush dominated for most of it. A the only crush real, match, excuse me. The, well, yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, the only real offense that like Doink was getting in was like mainly sort of like top rope axe handles, which was just boring after a while. That was all he was doing. There was yeah. one spot though that 
I thought was a bit scary. He does like this feet rake to the spike to the sides of Crush's head, where he like yes. rakes his feet down the side, and I'm just like, there's some trust involved in that move right there, and I don't know if. Um, a man dressed as a clown is the sort of person I want to trust to do that like safely, but <laughs> fair play, he did it fine. So um, I, yeah. I was quite interested. That was interesting. Do you know who taught Crush that maneuver? It was Antonio Inoki. Oh. He trained Crush. Bloody hell. Ah, okay. I know. Is it, is, is it trained Inoki by... that Hogan also got it from? Because Hogan used to do it. I mean, probably. <laughs> <laughs> the big story is that Inoki broke, broke Hogan's leg, isn't it? Yeah. Was it Inoki that broke his yeah. leg? Was it Noki or was it Saito? Don't know. But that's a hell I of a, a hell of a guy I have as your your trainer. Yeah, to yeah, go yeah, on absolutely. to an incredibly short-lived WWF career mm. and an even short-lived career um, and then sadly life afterwards. Yeah. I looked crush up and yes. died in what two thousand and two. Two thousand eight. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. It'd been it'd been gone from uh, WW. F slash WCW by, by, by quite a while by the time he yeah. passed away, I think. Which is a bit of a shame for a guy chained by Antonio Inoki, I think. Mm. Having to yes. wrestle Doink and his <laughs> his twin brother, also called Doink. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so my, my thoughts in this match are that it was, it was serviceable. Um, however, I, I do want to uh, kind of praise... Uh, doink to an extent because praise the doink my it was really weird to see when I was a yeah praise doink <laughs> um, when he came out for his entrance I could not get um, Bray Wyatt's Firefly Funhouse <laughs> out of my head because the, some of the, the mannerisms and the very sudden switch from the kind of clown laughing ha 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 uh, demeanour to the evil face that he pulled really did remind me in a lot of ways of how Bray Wyatt is during some of those funhouse segments where all of a sudden the demeanour completely changes and it kind of slightly puts the chill up you a wee bit but I'm, I'm not saying that's necessarily what happened with Doink but I think considering what he was given to work with as a gimmick um actually worked really well. Yeah, it actually makes I agree. me very yeah. sad that it actually makes me very sad that eventually they turned him face mm. and saddled him with a, a dwarf clown called Dink. Ooh. If I remember right, Doink and Dink, I'm sure that's what it ends up being. But um yeah, I'd have happily seen him go a few more years as a evil clown. Yeah, I think he's really nailed his gimmick to be honest with you. Like you say, it's not a great gimmick by any means. It's probably having to work with um you know, what he's been given, unfortunately. But I think he made it work for himself. And um, like I say, yeah, I, I think you're right. Like, there is there is a decent element of that, like, two-sided sort of, um, you know, he can be dangerous, but also kind of goofy at the same time. And he, he was selling it well. Yeah. Do you think, uh, as a, like, second or third generation wrestler, Bray Wyatt would be upset or happy that you have just... Analogized his work to that of Doink the motherfucking clown. <laughs> um, I don't think Bray's particularly happy about most things, to be honest with you. So. <laughs> I think he would be happy about that, possibly. I don't know. Maybe not. I don't know. That's his role. The he was trying to go for modern day Undertaker and he actually got modern day Doink. 
I respect the doink anyway. <laughs> hey, modern day doink is getting over far more than modern day Undertaker <laughs> ever got. That's true. <laughs> so, That's true. Um, so yes, that was Doink versus Crush. Um, from there, we head into another bit uh, around the ring with Todd Pettengill and some Japanese photographers. But as we've already established, fuck Todd Pettengill. Yeah. So let's head straight on to the next match. <laughs> he does He does mention that he's been drenched with beer during this, and it was a bit like, good on you. <laughs> Whoever the fuck did yes. that, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, it was probably himself. <laughs> Um, so next match on the card is a is a, a odd one, one of those odd filler matches. It seemed like it was probably just pulled together last minute because they had five minutes to fill somewhere. Yeah. It is uh, Razor Ramon, who at this point I believe is still heel, um, taking on a returning Bob Backlund. Um, odd parent to put together, and the main thing in this match for me was the fact that. This is starting to get into the territory where heels are starting to get cheered. Yeah, yeah. And so Razor Ramon, there's a lot of chance for Razor during this. And Bob Backlund, God bless him, gets booed out of... I was going to say the building. It's not a building. What is it? The park. Building. The, yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Booed out of the car park. Um... Yeah, I mean, there's there's very little to talk about in this match. It goes well. There's nothing there, minutes, is there? About you know, forty-five <laughs> seconds. Yeah, yeah. It's only like um, a four-minute uh, run, isn't it? Christ. Yeah, pretty much. Um, there is there's an atomic drop from Bob Backlund, which even by this point, kind of mid nineties, you never see atomic drops anymore. Certainly not of that variety. You tend to still see the reverse atomic drop, yeah. but the one where he drops him on his arse. Is um yeah. is a little surprising to see. It looked um, sore too. Yeah. Because yeah. Ramon hit the Scott Hall hit the ropes after that one, didn't he? Did he not like fly forward, bounce his arse off the ring, and then go into the ropes? He did. Yes. Um, I, I don't know if the bump was meant to look quite that, but it probably added a bit to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the only I'll note I've literally got is that Razor wins oddly enough with a small package, yeah, which seems yeah. like an odd choice words, when you're trying to get this over as get this guy over. Yeah, it was a weird one because like I think they're trying to position Bob as like this sort of like quick and scrappy sort of underdog character. Yeah, um, which does come across. I quite like his offense actually. You know, he's he's he is consi- considering you know his age at this point as well, and like he's. He's putting in the work, at least, for the small amount of time that he's here, at least. So I, I enjoyed that. It was a bit bizarre that he came out with no music. Like, did you spot that? Like, it was just like... Yeah, I don't... Well, the thing is, I don't think he actually had entrance music even back in the day when he was in his pomp. But so, it just, it yeah, just like, thematically just didn't quite work. Because Razor comes out with his theme and they make a big a pomp and circumstance about it. But then Bob just wanders out and... I don't think the crowd really know what to think of it. <laughs> it's just it, it yeah. does feel like they maybe should have just started with Bob Backlund already in the ring. Yeah, you could have you at least like given him a chance to maybe rally the crowd behind him a little bit before Razor came out. Yeah, but yeah, the, yeah. Crowd were instantly just like, "Fuck Bob Backlund, we're gonna <laughs> cheer for Razor." <laughs> <laughs> well, the good thing about this was that it did lead into a pretty. Uh, fantastic heel run for Bob Backlund. Oh, really? Where he, yeah. Okay. Where he went. Yes, you'll see there's a... Um, we've actually got a pretty decent um, submission match coming up at WrestleMania 11 between Backlund and Bret Hart. 
That's um, interesting. Okay, strange looking. Yes. So there's there's some good stuff comes out of of presumably this because I can only assume they thought the backwind would get cheered returning. Yeah. In actual fact, maybe him getting booed led to the decision to to turn them heel. Um, Ian, any thoughts before we we move on to the co-main event? Uh, Backland catches Razor Ramon's toothpick, snaps it in two, and throws it either side of him. It is cool as Wait, hell. Did he? No one fucking noticed. Not Ooh, either oh, of you. Christ, that not was the, not the commentators, not anyone in the crowd, not the ref, not Razor. And I feel a bit bad oh, for going back because it was pretty sick. That sounds what a it really kind sick, of yeah. cool thing to do. It, um, it lands on Bob Backlund's chest and he just slap catches it on his chest and then takes it and snaps it to it throws it. It's really nice. Cameraman knew what he was doing. He caught it. Nobody even gave it ah. the time of day. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Bobby. Poor Bobby Wokeland. That <laughs> 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 uh, um, happens. Yeah, I just... Uh, Bob yeah. Backlund looks like a weird monkey. There's my thought for that. One. <laughs> <laughs> you ever seen a man who looks more like a weird monkey than Bob Backlund? <laughs> shaved, mo- shaved monkey, Bob Backlund. There we go. That's that's what we call for now. On. Um, right into the co-main event of the day. As for those who don't know, Hulk Hogan had been pretty much missing since WrestleMania Eight. Uh, at that point, it was kind of hinted that he was retiring. Um, but instead, he returned in the lead up to WrestleMania 9 to save his friend and tag team partner for this match, uh, Brutus the Barber Beefcake, uh, to form a team called the Mega Maniacs. And here they are up against the WWF Tag Team Champions, uh, Money Incorporated, Ted DiBiase and Irwin R. Scheisler. Um, oh, <laughs> Uh, we're, we're going to talk about a Hogan match. We're going to talk about a Hogan match <laughs> that, uh, let me just have a quick check. Yes, by 14 seconds was the longest match uh, on the pay-per-view. Of course celebration was. Um, was longer than Backlund versus Ramon. <laughs> yes, yeah. pretty much. Unsurprising, isn't it? So um, I've got a fair few notes on this yeah. one, so I suppose I can yeah, the, take you through it. Yeah, you've picked this as your match, so yeah. I'll see what you've got. Fuck Hulk Hogan about 20 times. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, the great thing about this match is that Hogan's eye is fucked. <laughs> and he deserves it. Um, so I actually, at no point during the entire pay-per-view is it ever addressed what the fuck happened. Um, do you know what happened to his eye? Two stories. So you know, you go. I'm talking too much. No, you you, you go because I'm not entirely sure I'm right on what I think. I, I seem to recall rumours at the time, but you might know the actual reason because in, in the last one, you yeah. um, I don't, you I don't, seem to know about these things. Kayfabe reason was that he got jumped when they were out. The night before yeah. on the strip, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, and the, uh, it was an allegation that it was Money Inc. Because I think That's he said it, that yeah. I caught a tiny yeah, they do say that, that before they comes out. Yeah, um, the real reason that he gave was that he'd uh, hurt himself skiing. And right, the rumor right. was that Randy Savage had popped him in the face, <sighs> oh. which I would love to believe. But mm. that rumor source is fucking doink recline. So. <laughs> <laughs> So, I don't know. See, I have never heard that one. The rumour I heard was that he'd been out on his motorbike Uh, uh, like the day before the event and they'd had an accident and it basically uh, quite how his eye was the only thing that got injured. Perhaps I should have known at that point that that was bullshit. 
but motorbike accident was what I'd heard, but I could quite believe, I think the relationship between Hogan and Savage had actually began to sour by this point. Mm-hmm. Um, as we know, it would get much worse in later years with, you know, Randy Savage making dish rap tracks <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, about Hulk Hogan. <laughs> um, Love that album. But I'd, I'd never heard that one. See, see, this is part of the reason why we've got you in the podcast. And you know these things. Because <laughs> I, I look at what culture before every show. Is that like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that was the thing that I read about it. But yeah, the source on that's Doink. Apparently, I think Savage confirmed that they'd had a bit of a disagreement or something that night, but he never said anything about yeah. popping him in the face. But then he wouldn't, would he? Well, absolutely not, wouldn't it? Because yeah, yeah. supposed to be faces at that point. And yeah, yeah. Nobody was supposed to know that Hulk Hogan was a colossal asshole. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, let's talk the match, like, beat for beat then, I guess. Um, so, th- at the start, uh, before the match even begins, they start into a big brawl, everybody in the ring together, and money in get thrown out, um, so that... Brutus and Hogan get a moment with the crowd to sort of lap it up a bit. Bell rings, and it's Money Inc. in control, working over Brutus. So Brutus has got this weird... Well, they say it's like titanium face mask to protect... So he's supposedly been assaulted by Money Inc. as well, I think, is what I took from that as well. Is that correct? Borrowed it off of Virgil from last year. (laughs) (laughs) Painted it red. So, So my understanding is that Beefcake, by this point, did actually have a fairly serious real-life facial injury. Right, okay. Uh, my understanding was that while paragliding, he had basically slammed into a cliff. Fucking hell. Which had... Uh, Heenan kind of hinted at it. Had apparently broken his face in a number of places. Bloody hell. Ouch. So, yeah, again, whether that's true or not, I, I don't 100% know, but I mean, it definitely it, it played a part in leading up to, to this anyway. I read yeah, an interview yeah. with Doink the Clown... And he said, <laughs> that "Yeah, was paragliding, was with him. In fact um, paragliding, but he crashed into Hulk Hogan while he was skiing <laughs> on his bike." Yeah, the second—they were both distracted by the second doink who showed up, who also showed up in a parachute, and it's like, "What are you doing here, second doink?" Like, <laughs> oh, but yeah, so there's a bit of um, comedy with the old face protector in that um, Ted goes to lamp like Brutus and then the whole point of the face protector being made of titanium means that Ted hurts his own hand while punching it <laughs> uh, which I quite liked um, so yeah and um, we then get Hogan, Hogan targeting Ted's face for revenge for that spot um, so yeah a bit of a heel manoeuvre but again that's, I suppose that <laughs> suits Hogan doesn't it um, yeah. and then it's uh, Money Inc walk out because um, they're just not getting in the offense, they're they're clearly you know they've met their match sort of thing here. So it's just like, well, we'll let this um, finish in a disqualification because we'll retain champions' advantage and all that. Um, but the ref orders them back, otherwise they lose the title. So they change the rules on the spot. Heenan goes absolutely ballistic, I'm making up the rules as they go, which is you know a good bit of laugh. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's back to the match then. So IRS straight up chokes Hogan behind the ref's back. And they managed to turn the tides in their favour. Um, and Ted gets the million dollar dream locked in. And Hogan starts to fade. Um, almost gets counted out. But obviously it's a Hulk up moment. Um, so Brutus gets a sleeper behind the ref's back. And levels the playing field. Um, I, and I, I enjoyed this bit. Because um, once Hebner sort of like 
turns around after being sort of distracted and Brutus is doing his sleeper. He actually trips over Ted whilst he's on the ground. And I, I thought that was a nice like, little comedy moment. I don't know if it was planned or not, but it looked really nice. Um, yeah. So we got the hot... Then there's a hot tag to Brutus and he clears house. Really hot tag. Really cool to see. Um, Ted then hits Brutus in the back with the briefcase and um, basically this opens him up to remove the protective mask. Um, so I don't... Again, like I don't know if this is because of the injury or whether Brutus is overselling but he he kind of makes it look like he's got the sort of like he's had a stroke or something he's got the really sort of like droopy face thing going on it could be genuine injury but I thought maybe he was overselling a little bit and it looked a bit too like on the nose it was a bit goofy and I don't know if I was particularly like comfortable with it but yeah it could it could have been a genuine injury so you know that Fair play. I, I, I'm just judging from how, how it looked because I didn't, I didn't really yeah. know the full story there. Um, but yeah, Ted then clocks Brutus whilst he has IRS in the sleeper, and the ref gets knocked down as well. Brutus gets the tag to Hogan, and it's his turn to clean house at this point. Um, but yeah, so both men, everybody's in the ring. They're a double pin. They're about to defeat Money Inc., but the ref's out. So Jimmy Hart comes in, reverses his jacket so that it's into the ref's uniform, and counts the pin, which is enough for the crowd. They 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 got their they got their moment. They 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 celebrate, but um, it's Money Inc. that eventually win it via disqualification because uh, the result happens behind the ref's back, and uh, Jimmy Hart then Jimmy throws Hart's the official not a referee. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> do that. <laughs> Yes. But yeah, Jimmy Jimmy throws the official over the top rope and yeah, the Mega Maniacs get a chance to celebrate again. Crowd laps it up. Um and there's look, I enjoyed this for what it was. Again, like you do have to make some reservations because obviously it's a Hogan match, so you have to watch a dickhead be uh win because like that's just the way things work. Even though he doesn't technically win, but um it, there was a fair bit going on here. There were some nice moments. It was really well choreographed. Um, some good comedy. Some nice back and forth. Yeah, I, I, I was having a good time with this. But like I say, you do have to make some reservations because of who's in the ring, you know? What do you guys think? This is just... The whole match is just Hogan to a T. Really oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, like, I completely Hogan, agree. Hogan coming back by introducing himself into someone else's rivalry Yeah. Um, that he will then helm because he's Hulk Hogan. Um, and it's not the only time he does it tonight. <laughs> no, it's not even in the, twice in the same fucking night, man. Yep. Two titles, two sets of titles. You know what I mean? He could have, like, if I bet he, I bet he pitched that him and Brutus won those titles and he won that world title later on as well. I wouldn't put oh. it past him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the ego on that, man. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a little space on my right python that's not got any gold on it, man. But <laughs> it's just, yeah, just from the whole structure of the match just irked me because it's like IRS cheat. Sorry, not IRS. Sorry, Money Inc. cheat. Um, a side note, uh, does IRS look like Bruce Campbell to anyone else? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, yes, good. Yes, it does. Right. Um, <laughs> but like Money Inc. cheat, that's the whole thing. But like, it was the expectation, like, Jimmy Hart taking off his jacket and reversing it into a referee, which is a blatant disrespect of the fine referee in tradition. <laughs> <laughs> and then they were like, but Hogan and the crowd were all just fine with that. It was just like, like the referee's been knocked out. What we'll do is we'll perform an illegal sleeper manoeuvre. <laughs> and then, as the faces, then do, then I, as Hulk Hogan, hit both of them with a titanium 
mask. <laughs> and then we'll get the count. And our manager, who's 100% impartial, will be the referee. <laughs> and then the referee turns up and is like, no guys, you can't do that. And they are shocked. They're like, what? What do you mean? That was all above board. <laughs> totally above board. And then the crowd's like, boo, boo. <laughs> it's... it's... <laughs> Cheat to victory. Yeah, there's. How much I, I don't know if Jimmy Hart one? somehow inadvertently just invented ECW rules. It's <laughs> just like ah, anybody could come in and count the three, the three as well. In a stripy ref shirt, which is what nobody, in the, nobody in the WWF wore one of them at this point. It's just like, it's just <laughs> yeah, like turned I, up in a football referee's uniform. He's just backstage wandering about with his jacket on and somebody spots him while he's got it open. It's like, Jimmy, is that? Is that a referee's jacket that you've got on the inside of that? Why is your jacket reversible? <laughs> You'd think somebody would have worn the actual referee, but... Um, Steals some of Winkleman's chloroform from later in the night. <laughs> Just hides them in the back so that he doesn't get rumbled. I probably. The, the irony, of course, is the fact that he's got the black and white... Uh, on when every referee that night was wearing light blue. Was wearing light blue, that's what I'm saying, yeah. He yeah, was wearing yeah. the wrong ref's outfit. <laughs> Who was that going to fool? Um, it's just, yeah, I miss Money Inc. They were such a great, like, you could always tell they were that position in the card where they were just there to just make a feud happen just by nature of existing and they could always make it work. Because this was, is this his last yeah. mania for the Million Dollar Man? Because he went to New uh, Japan after this, didn't he? Yes. I mean, last last is a, an actual in-ring performer, I think. Yeah, yeah, well, nobody ever has their last, last one. Hogan had his last one last year, if you remember. <laughs> last <True>. ever. <laughs> I'm trying to remember if uh, DiBiase was part of that Jericho versus Legends match from 24. Oh god, I hope so. Not. Maybe, maybe this wasn't his last. I'll, I'll need I to don't go think check so, that. Because the DiBiase's always bow out of wrestling at, the, at an age appropriate time. They go, they make their money, and they go, you know, what, I've had enough of this. Now I'm going to stop doing this while I can still turn my neck 180. <laughs> you know. It's, it's that as well. remarkable. He, he bowed out at like, what, 38 or something like that? Retired to have a family? Yes, um, he did, yeah, he didn't hang about long. Yeah. Um, and it, good on him. And yeah, they're all still alive, so yeah, fair play to those. Yeah. Lot. <laughs> um, okay, so that was uh, our co-main event of the evening, Money Inc. versus the Mega Maniacs. Money Inc. retaining their titles as a result of a disqualification. Um, on to the next match of the evening, uh, the narcissist Lex Luger uh, versus someone who'd actually not long made his return to WWF after what would many believe to be a, a career-ending injury, uh, Mr. Perfect. Um, Lex Luger fully in uh, narcissist uh, gimmick at this point. I do like the gimmick. A lot of, I do like yes, the gimmick actually. Yeah, it's, it's actually it's, quite. Yeah, I, I mean, physically, they could not have picked anyone better. Yeah. For that gimmick, um, and in the right situation, even his promos even kind of worked for it. It's just, it's just a shame that Luger by this point wasn't kind of 1988 Lex Luger in terms of what he could actually do in the ring. Oh, he's um, absolutely useless in the ring. Jesus Christ. Yeah. This is a mm -hmm. this is a Mr. Perfect showcase, basically. <laughs> um, because Luger ain't working, let's put it that way. Uh, but yeah, like, yeah. I say, I, like I say, I do I do really like that gimmick. I love the entrance with the mirrors. Um, I thought that was really fun. The fireworks um, mirrors was my favourite part. That was so good. Yeah, like, really just fun. Just from the getting them to hold the mirrors up and then when she's like 
And he's like, no, hold them higher, higher, higher. And then the fireworks came out. I was like, oh, that's beautiful. I want that for when I go places. <laughs> <laughs> I, do, I do think it's, it's kind of a shame, actually, that for me, the masterpiece is a better name. And obviously there's parallels between this gimmick and Chris Masters yeah. in the mid-2000s. I would have loved to have seen them give them excuse me, the masterpiece name to Lex Luger. Yeah, I can see I that think, working. I think the masterpiece might have worked better than the narcissist. I mean, he could have still retained the same gimmick completely. Well, it would have um, helped uh, Mr. Perfect as well, because uh, Mr. Perfect, as proven in the previous uh, uh, segment, can't actually pronounce narcissist, because um, he flubs <laughs> it, doesn't he? Um, yeah. So, yeah, like that might have helped him. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't have a huge amount of notes for this one. Again, a, a functional match, if nothing else, but not of, of the equality that you would have seen on TV at the time. Um Perfect had a couple of nice spots in this. Again, considering he's you know only fairly recently returned from injury himself, um, there was a really nice kind of running leapfrog into a standing drop kick fairly early in the match. Yep. Um, I don't beyond that, I don't have a huge amount of notes. In fact, for many, the the kind of big thing of this match was actually what happened afterwards. So. Uh, I mean, guys, if you get anything yeah, to add I've, to, about I've the match itself. Got some spots. Um, so, uh, Perfect mainly focuses on Luger's knee throughout most of this match. Um, this has got some big chops to Luger's chest as well. They sound really frightening. Again, I, I think it's because of the smaller arena. Like, they, just the sound really reverberates. Um, but yeah, really cool. Um, Luger tries to win with a pin with his legs on the ropes. Um, at one point, and the ref sees that, so that gets broken. Um, Luger does get some offense a little bit later on in the match. There's a power slam that he does, which is really crisp. I quite like that, actually. That's good um, slam. I agree. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. Uh, yeah, really nice. Uh, and then Luger gets the backslide, but the referee doesn't see Perfect's legs on the ropes. Um, so, yeah, it's... It's a bit of a weird fuck finish in that, like, Perfect shouldn't have lost. And it's weird as well because they position the ref in a, in a position earlier where he sees Luger trying to cheat, yet he doesn't see the spot where Perfect breaks the pin with his leg on the rope. And just a bit of a weird finish. It didn't, it didn't really feel like it had, uh, had much going for it there. But obviously it leads into the post-match segment, which, like Andy was saying, is... I think what this is more memorable for. So perfect heads backstage and goes for Luger. But Luger's I don't know, I even know what happens to Luger to be honest with you. He gets like dropped he but then off. rolls away really quickly, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. And then it's Shawn Michaels basically just like, Oh, I will beat up Mr. Perfect <laughs> and absolutely like <laughs> stiffs him big time. Um that's quite a nasty looking backstage brawl actually. <laughs> um but yeah, so Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the just quick, quickly on Luger again. The other thing that I meant to, to comment on is the fact that Heenan and, and Jim Ross and so on kept referring to this throughout the night, but I don't think we got anything that actually confirmed it. Was that Luger apparently knocked out um, Bret Hart with his loaded forearm? Yeah, uh, I heard some brief WrestleMania that, yeah. lunch uh, at the WrestleMania brunch. Yeah, I think yes. is what they said. 
So it's yeah. presumably when all the wrestlers meet up in the morning to, to trade storylines. I don't know. Because, <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, that was the other storyline heading into this, was the fact that it was believed at this point, and I think they would they would actually fully lean into that soon, was that uh, Luger's forearm basically had a steel pin in it. Yeah, a metal plate in it. And in actual fact, him using that forearm was use of an illegal weapon. <laughs> um, it's just... just just really, really, again, this, a lot of ways, this, and how the match ended and so on was just symptomatic of the show as a whole. Okay, the weird ending that just left you feeling pretty deflated. Yeah, it was, even if it the was, match that preceded it was, was okay. Yeah, it was very sort of house show, like storyline building kind of ending, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's a strange moment as well after this where it cuts to commentary team. And Macho gets really up in like Bobby Heenan's face, and the crowd are going nuts. Like they <laughs> love that there's a bit of like, you know, side of the ring like madness going on. I don't know what I don't know what really sets them off, but I th- I think maybe maybe it's the crowd are anticipating Macho to like do something. I don't know, like uh, actually fight or something. Um, like egging him on to actually like clock Bobby Heenan or not, but um, yeah, I was quite surprised by just like how much heat that managed to get. Yeah, it's um, that by that point, I think maybe the, the crowd was just keen to cheer for anything that caused even the slightest bit of excitement. Yeah, and, well, they weren't going to be cheering um, for much next, are they? So. And yeah, exactly. Let's head out to the, the next match. Before <laughs> shit on top of the the pile of whatever the hell you want to call it at this point. <laughs> and so that leads us into uh, <laughs> which is uh, really saying something the worst match of the night <laughs> um, The Undertaker with Paul Bearer as always yep. uh, up against the 7 foot something uh, long streak of piss <laughs> giant Gonzalez uh, bringing out Harvey Whippleman with him um Who's a bit of a non-entity oh. in this, but yeah. Yes, which was which was surprising because Whippleman was actually quite a good heel manager at one point. I felt it was it was the right level of kind of antagonistic. Yeah. So it felt very weird that he didn't really play a huge part in this. But I guess in some ways they were wanting to sell how much of a monster they considered uh, Giant Gonzalez to be. Yeah. Um, this is just this is dreadful. Oh, um, it is. Just yep. two massive men lumbering around and showing absolutely no athleticism whatsoever. It is dull as fuck. Um, the only saving yeah. grace is um, Gonzalez is dressed in this fucking weird muscle suit that makes him look both <laughs> naked and one of the Titans from Attack on Titan. Yes, um, that's what he looks like. Yeah, right. Okay, oh it's been bugging me. Wow, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> so yeah, there's that at least. <laughs> it is just the most harrowing image <laughs> that you could possibly put on a WrestleMania stage. But there you go. Um, why, why is he hairy, and why can I still see his butt cheeks if he's hairy? <laughs> well, because it he looks like his, his butt cheeks. <laughs> Because I thought initially it was like they've ex- it looks like they've exposed his muscles, like he's got no oh, skin on. But like yeah. you say, they're like there are hair patches on him. So I it's thought like, it was supposed to be like hair. Yeah, I yeah. thought it was supposed to be like the like in a 
an extremely racist way, some sort of like missing link esque was what they were going for. Yeah, I think and that, that was, like, is kind of what they're he going wearing for. Wearing clothes, he was naked. He just had hair, mm-hmm. but he um, prefers to shave his butt cheeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> probably just finds it more comfortable when he sits down. I guess. Oh, yeah. Must be. Um, I will say one thing though, Lewis. I think I have to defend Giant Gonzalez slightly. Oh yeah. In actual fact, the worst thing that we've ever seen at a WrestleMania is Divas writhing up against Kid Rock. <laughs> <laughs> um. uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's <laughs> definitely up there. Uh, I've got to say as well, um, the Undertaker coming out in the daylight will never ever look right. But even more so oh. when he comes out to the ring in a rinky dink little chariot with a fucking vulture. <laughs> 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 it's really, the stupidest really image. <laughs> I actually quite liked him having the vulture with him. I mean, I'm not going to lie, I thought that was okay, but yeah, you're right. It was, there was also a bit odd way at the end of the match, and I realise I'm kind of jumping ahead here, where he's getting stretched out by one guy in a kind of pale blue toga. Yes, yes. Oh my <laughs> it just God. looks really stupid one, as well. One official in a toga <laughs> and everybody else isn't. It's really funny. Oh my yeah. God. I mean... For generally, this match doesn't even really have the comedy value. I mean, no. Giant Gonzalez is selling, if you can call it that, is hilariously bad. Yeah. Um, which is about this match's saving grace. <laughs> but even that, after a couple of minutes, you think you're getting paid presumably a decent amount of money because you're appearing on a WWF pay per view, yeah, the yeah. biggest of the four pay per views. Um, You've taken that spot for someone who probably has more talent and the little finger than you've got in your entire massive skinny body. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just such a bizarre match. Oh, um, I mean, it's just, it's a nothing match. Nothing really happens. It's boring as fuck. Yeah. Uh, Gonzalez mm-hmm. can't sell for the life of him. Uh, and the main spot and the thing that sort of like finishes this up is, uh, I think Whippleman passes Gonzalez a towel covered in chloroform. And yeah. that's how he takes down Undertaker. He gets knocked out, stretched off, as you said uh, before. And um, yeah, he goes all the way out of the ring, and you know, crowd's going nuts. It's the heel, big heel heat. Um, but then all of a sudden, Taker is coming back to the ring, gets a second wind, um, takes down Gonzalez, gets him out of the ring, and then. John Gonzalez is led out by security so it doesn't even end in a real contest at any given point nobody gets in any real offense there's no pin yeah. attempts there's it's just yeah it's a real nothing match unfortunately um and yeah. just an absolute lumbering mess of a thing to watch as well it's just so dull and then also I don't know if this is just me I I genuinely don't like watching Undertaker in matches where I know before it starts that he can't tombstone who he's he's fighting because Undertaker matches always feel like they've got that build up anticipation to him tombstoning for the win or somebody kicking out but him being able to deliver the tombstone and there's two matches that Wrestlemania Undertaker has where he can't do that one of them is is this Giant Gonzalez match and then I think it's like he fights King Kong Bundy Right. Um, at a future WrestleMania, and it's the same thing. Yeah. And for me, that always, that also kind of puts a bit of a deflating effect on this match because it's like you watch Under Ma- Undertaker matches to see him hit somebody with a tombstone. Yeah. Um, and the fact that you knew going into this that he wasn't going to be able to do this with a man who looked nearly eight foot tall. Yeah, yeah. 
kind of took away from it as well. But I mean, I'd, I'd not even, I'll be honest, I'm not even sure a, a tombstone would have saved this one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Ian, thoughts on, on this shit show? <laughs> I mean, right, you're giving, you're giving Giant Gonzalez shit for not being able to sell, right? But you try and yeah. be 19 feet tall and pretend to fall over without actually falling over. I bet that is hard. That's like yeah. that's like chopping down a tree and then getting it to stop halfway. <laughs> like poor guy. It's it's a shit show of a match. Yeah. There's no denying Don't that. Don't make me feel bad for hating Jenkins Alley, <laughs> and that's not what you're I, I did not bring you, you on this podcast for this. You have his feelings. Imagine how he's already felt, man. He's already come out in a nude a nude bodysuit. <laughs> right. I true, true. <laughs> so, beat the Undertaker by chloroforming with death. It's yeah, it's a bad match. And really, really <laughs> terrible, terrible spots. And I had forgotten that this, because um, this kind of devalues Taker's whole streak, right? Because yeah, it does. The, yes. Yeah, because he wins, he wins one by DQ after getting knocked out by chloroform. Yeah. Yes. That's not good look. No. no yeah, that shouldn't count towards the streak. Asuka never get knocked out by chloroform, I tell you that much. <laughs> That's a streak WWF can be proud of. Um, yeah, I'd, I'm, I always... The 21st match on Undertaker's streak is when he actually goes 20-0. Uh -huh. That's one doesn't count. Right. <laughs> um, there are a couple of bits that I, I liked about, about this, because this has my favourite line of the whole night. Oh, yeah. Where right. Randy Savage said that the Undertaker wasn't human, he was from Down Under, which yep. I assume was supposed to mean from, you know, down below or yeah, yeah, know, yeah. from from the evil place. <laughs> and not Australia. Not Australia. <laughs> <laughs> so take a mic. Yeah. I did I did I kinda of self abused myself for about a good five minutes thinking about the Undertaker. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was for me the highlight of that was the the moment that I formed in my own head while that that match was occurring. Wonder how many Australians we've justified. <laughs> what with our accent? Yeah. Rest in peace, Cobba. All of them. <laughs> rest, rest in peace. <laughs> um. Right. Okay. I know that we've said we're not going to talk about promos in between matches and so on, but we have to talk about this because we're heading into the main event of the evening. WWF World Heavyweight Champion Bret the Hitman Hart defending his title against winner of the Royal Rumble and 500-pound sumo monster Yokozuna. And before it, we get a fucking Hulk Hogan promo. <laughs> yeah. You get a but, real close-up look at that revolting oh, eye. That eye is... I, I mean, I, I know the saying is black eye, but that eye is black. Oh, it's bogging. It's absolutely it horrific. Horrible. Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, but yeah, we, but this is basically. He very quickly talks about the fact that he's just come out of Bret Hart's dressing room. Fine, you think he's going to talk about how determined Bret Hart is and all that? And no, it goes straight into. On oh, by the way, I'm going to take your title if you win this match. And it's like, <laughs> oh, come on, fuck. <laughs> Vince and Hogan did themselves absolutely no favours across yeah, yeah. WrestleMania 8 and 9. No favours whatsoever. And I'm convinced that's part of the reason why he was very quickly getting booed when he went to WCW after this. Because I think by that point, everybody was kind of sick of him. Yeah, uh, well, you can't, um, can't blame him, can you? No. 
Um, did you? Anyway, did you? Uh, uh, I just quickly oh, before we move on. Um, yeah. Did, did the version that you were watching, like every time Hogan said WWF, they censored him saying F? Did they? Did they? Uh, I didn't out? notice to be honest okay, with you. Kind of merged into white right, noise yeah. the minute he started talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The version, the version um, I was watching, it. that was happening, and but then. It, he said it like a few times in quick succession and then he called Yokozuna a Jap and they didn't censor that. <laughs> yes, he did. Um, oh, Jesus. Yeah, yeah I was just like, right. fucking get your priorities straight, guys. Jesus Christ. Yeah, um, did that make it sound just... like he was going WW fuck every time he said it? <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, but, yeah. but anyway, that does lead into the, the match itself. Uh, as I said, Bret Hart defended his title against Yokozuna. Um... This match was. This match is unfairly overshadowed by what happened afterwards. I think. Yeah. Because I think the two did about as good a job as they could do for the size differential. They do um, a considerably better job at doing what the previous match should have done. In that, Brett is a better, scrappier underdog, and Yokozuna sells being the bigger guy a lot better. I think. Yeah. Mm. I personally think. Yeah. So, so yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's what I've got down. Match is decent. Uh, the, the I think the thing that makes it is the kind of dynamic between the much bigger man and the much smaller man. Yeah. Um, Yokozuna at this point. I mean, if it, to be fair, once he kind of regained the title and lost it at SummerSlam, to me, his health very quickly deteriorated from then. Um, you know, by the time we reached kind of WrestleMania ten and eleven. He was well over 600 pounds. Uh, couldn't move anywhere near as well. But at this point, for a guy who at this point genuinely was about 500 pounds, he's incredibly... Um, flexible's not the right word, but I mean, for the size of him, he's very athletic. He's, he's, um, he he, could, know, he's he moves really good. like he's... Yes. He, he doesn't, like, as, as the commentary team point out, he doesn't show any signs of like losing stamina. He, seem, he seems very yeah. like collected you know as, as a as a as a competitor so fair play to him like in that regard yeah you're not you're not convinced in this one you know see i did i did the thing and i went to see what brett hart says about this match oh yeah <laughs> oh brett hart hates every match he's ever been <laughs> in every match he's ever made and uh what he said was that when he found out that he was that, that a he was losing the title and that Hogan was going to come in afterwards and win the title. That was the day before the Mania that he found that out. Yeah, Both of those of things, I believe. And then so he decided what he was going to do was that he was going to write him and Yokozuna a kick-ass match so that that would be amazing and what came after it didn't really matter because he couldn't really control that part anyway. Yeah, And yeah. Uh, Yokozuna was too gassed to be able to run the full plan and kind of just as he puts it, bulldozed through it as quickly as possible to get oh, to the really? finish, um, which he was really upset about because he did felt like he didn't get to do the match properly. Yeah, but, um, well, that's interesting like, because he doesn't show that he's particularly gassed. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. And I feel like you know he did. He says that he tried to write a program for it where all the big spots were at the end and the rest, most of the match isn't too strenuous, so that yeah. so yeah. that Yokozuna mm-hmm. could run full steam throughout the whole thing and it would look good mm-hmm. and play off the fact that he was much smaller and more nimble and all that jazz. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I was like, well, that's Yokozuna, man. He's like, he was gonna get gassed. He's a big yeah. dude. Yeah. You try running. You try running that about. You know, 
no chance. The, 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 I mean, the thing is, though, I mean, I do feel like they actually do. Sorry, in some yeah. regard, then, I guess, Brett was, was successful because I think other than, you know, the Banzai drop, um, Yokozuna basically got to hit all his kind of, his main stuff. Yeah, yeah. So did and, but Brett. Brett ran, kind of ran through his, his repertoire. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the elbow off the, the second rope. Yep. Um some of the other stuff he did. There was a really good point early in the match where he vaulted over the top rope onto a downed Yokozuna and kind of just started weighing into him straight away with punches and so I on. I really like that spot. He pulled his leg out when he was out on the outside of the ring um, yeah. and then wrapped his feet in the rope. Yeah, and yeah. Pulled his yeah. Mm-hmm. leg out from under him and knocked Yokozuna over and to set that up as well. It was really nice. Yeah, no, really fluent. Yeah. Really well done. Yeah. Um, my favourite line of commentary for the whole show came in this match actually when the crowd started chanting USA and Bobby rightly pointed out that one of them was for Canada and the other one was from Japan. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of them was for Japan via way of Samoa. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh. um, so yeah, I, again, I think the match itself was, was fairly decent. I just checked it went about Nine minutes. Um, it didn't feel like it, it dragged it, it, for me personally. Um, yeah, yeah. It went about as long as I think it needed. It, it, yeah, it was the right length. You're right. It would have really struggled. Yeah, to, and it was it was cool that. to see Brett pull off a sharpshooter on such a big dude. I didn't think that was going to work, but um, it, it, it went it went really quite smooth. Well. Like it was, yeah. you know, it looked pretty solid. Like so, fair play. Yeah. Ian, sorry, were you saying? I was just saying the way he pulled the sharpshooter was really nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was. It was a really kind of clever because, I mean, it was never, I mean, even kayfabe or, you know, in real life, it was never going to be able to turn him over in any way that wasn't completely awkward. Yeah, yeah. but they still um, find a way. Well, he had him he, on his back and then he just pulled his side yes. yeah, his yeah. legs up, which is a much smarter way yeah. to do it. The yeah, other bit absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. poor Brett wasn't happy about was uh, how long it took Mr. Fuji to get that baby powder out of his... That oh, took him a long time. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. was a good... That that must have been a good, what, 15, 15 seconds, seconds or something like that. You can see yeah. Brett looking at him like, mate, come on, hurry up. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so actually that is how the match... It, it, again, I've kind of got issues with the way the match ended. Um, this is the first of two pay-per-views in which I think you could look at the ending of a Bret Hart-Yokozuna match as weak. Yeah. Um, just So if essentially what happens is that Bret does get the sharpshooter on. Looks like he's going to win and retain his title. Fuji eventually gets some salt out of his, his ducat. Um, flings it straight into Bret's eyes. Uh, Yokozuna kind of staggers about for a couple of minutes and then decides to just cover him. Yeah. Uh, gets the one, two, three, and your new WWF World Heavyweight Champion is Yokozuna. Um, I, even before we get on to the stuff that happens afterwards, which is nothing, of course, because this is where the pay per view ends. Absolutely nothing happens <laughs> after this that we, we could possibly talk about. Just oh, thinking. if only. Yeah. yeah. Disappointing um, finish, yeah. but I'm glad Yokozuna went on to be the champion for a long time after. <laughs> yes, absolutely. There was absolutely nothing happened afterwards that could make us think otherwise. A glorious champion. Can't believe it took him until the following year to drop his title. <laughs> Your long title reigns fantastic. Um, yeah, I mean, Brett 
always sold as the fighting champion, always the guy who would who would fight until we literally had no more fight to give. Uh, losing as a result of getting salt in yeah. the eyes seems a really weak finish to me. Um, the salt gets put over strongest of the fucking anybody on this card, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Yeah, maybe maybe Giant Gonzalez should have used a, a cloth <laughs> full of salt yeah. instead. Just get, just get Taker to breathe in that salt for a while, and that maybe would have knocked him out. That's it. Yokozuna was too um, gassed to follow up with any offense, man. That was the problem. See if he'd hit him in the face with something, and then Yokozuna would hit a couple of slams and sat on him. Yeah, you could have well, well, you could have arguably thing. believed that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. he was gassed. Why fun. did Yokozuna get? I genuinely thought I'd like I said I'd forgotten the end of this match. I actually had it in my mind that when Yokozuna stood up at that point, that he was going to hit the big leg drop and then cover him. Mm. And That'd instead, nice. he stood up only to then get back down and cover him. It's just a weird finish all yeah. round to a, a weird show. Um, unfortunately, we do have to talk about what happened next. Hulk Hogan. Uh, comes out, uh, claims he's remonstrating with the referee, yeah. um, to say that Yokozuna and Fuji cheated, the pressure keep his title. This then leads into Fuji in a real act of hubris that I wonder how Yokozuna would have felt about it if this was real life. <laughs> Basically just offered Hogan an immediate match yeah. for his world title. Um, what a shite manager. <laughs> yeah, I know. How fucking terrible. At least give the guy Mate, a month. Yeah, like, yeah. You've won the title. Go and have a wee holiday. You deserve it. It's been a long road to get here. No, we're going to put this straight up against fucking Hulk Hogan. Um, so, yeah. The match ends very quickly. Um, they grab him and try to do the salt spot again. Hogan ducks. Hits a clothesline, I think it is, and a big boot. And then the leg drop and covers Yokozuna for the one, two, three. Your WWF World Heavyweight Champion for, I believe, the fourth or fifth time at this fifth. point is Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Um, so yeah, once again, oh. Salt wins the day. <laughs> <laughs> it did uh, leave me feeling quite salty. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it um, is. It, it's it is, the most in many ways yeah. it's actually the perfect ending for this pay-per-view yeah <laughs> what's the theme of Wrestlemania 9 fuck Hulk Hogan <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yes yeah. pretty much <laughs> actually the theme of the first nine Wrestlemanias in some ways fuck Hulk Hogan oh, I mean anyway um, with, with the power of hindsight yeah. yes it's absolutely the most predictable boring fucking finish of the you could possibly want but if you look at that crowd, yeah, they, they are they not walking. Every, they are, man. They loved it. They, yeah, they're not walking they, away they upset, really are they? Did. No, yes. they, they got what yeah. they wanted to see. So, in that regard, the people there got what they got, what they wanted, got what they paid for. So, um, the stupid American. <laughs> he says, uh, insulting a nation of two hundred thirty million. Yeah, um, but all of which will come not... over here and kick your ass. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. They're all going to. They're all going to come across now. I'm ready. I'm ready for. I'm ready to die. Um, <laughs> sorry, that's, I don't know where that, that went. A really odd place. Leave there. that in. Um, <laughs> and on <yeah>. that note, <laughs> yes, on that bombshell. Um, yeah. So I'm guessing we're all 
take that in general agreement that the matches we picked as the three were, were probably the best three of the night. I don't think there's anything. One thing I do want to mention very quickly, just because this didn't make it onto the show, but in a dark match, Tito Santana appeared in his ninth WrestleMania in a row, defeating Papa Shango. Oh. Yeah. A match that went eight minutes. Yeah. Um, so I would any have other matches understand. on this card we could have yeah. put on instead of. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And my understanding is that that has been added to like WWE Network or YouTube as part of WWE's kind of hidden gems. Oh, okay. So you can find that match online if you want to go and watch it. The other thing was, I believe this is the only WrestleMania that doesn't start with a rendition of the American. Yes, actually, yes, yeah, totally. Uh, I, I noticed that. But again, yeah, but again, I understand that did take place prior to the show beginning. So right, that makes sense. Uh, then. Yes, yeah, yeah. again, just all adds up to a very weird feeling WrestleMania. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's bigger off this one. Yeah. So, final thoughts on the pay-per-view as a whole, guys? I mean, it's dross, isn't it? It's absolutely the fucking worst WrestleMania we've seen so far <laughs> by a long, long shot. Um, yes. If I was going to go for one match that I thought was generally the best, uh, even though I spoke the most about um, Money Inc. versus the Mega Maniacs, I think it... I agree with you, Andy. I think Head Shrinkers versus the Steiner Brothers is probably the, the one match. If you had to watch a match from this card... Yeah, I think that's the one that's the real highlight there. Like you say, you get to see Rikishi doing his thing early on in his career and doing it mm-hmm. really well. Steiner's a nice and just fucking brawly and stiff. You know, they're just it's it's good fun. I like that match a lot. And um, sloppy ending aside, it was it's a solid little thing to watch. And I think that's the one you really need to take away from this, as yeah. as any sort of viewing that you, you you'd want to from WrestleMania Nine, because the rest of it is either middling or incredibly poor so yeah yeah absolutely uh ian thoughts on the the show as a whole um so my three points to sum it up are it started with bobby heenan walking in ass backwards (laughs) yep um never let doink the clown uh do a pile driver on you (laughs) (laughs) ever and uh (laughs) he comes from a land down under (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I will sum up the show in two points fuck Todd Pettengill and fuck Hulk Um, that has been uh, episode 9 of the Bad Godcast I hope uh, that hasn't been as painful for you guys as it was for us watching it Um, just very quickly uh, Lewis Ian if people want to catch you on, on social media and maybe talk through quite how bad this pay-per-view <laughs> was where can they find you yeah well I'm at Sonic Yoda if you want to get me directly Ian uh, I'm at Ian Lives but never talk to me about this <laughs> <laughs> and you can find me at Psych Tyson and you can find us as a whole at The Bad Godcast this has been Wrestlemania 9 I've been your host Andy Manson and we will see you next time thanks take care